Congratulations to all you seniors out there that are graduating. I really want to encourage you, as much as this time has been probably the craziest time you could have ever imagined, I hope that you are taking this time of disruption and change and things that you never expected to learn about yourselves, learn about what the Lord's doing in your life and how He wants to use these circumstances to move you into the next season of your life. Proud of you, so excited for what God's going to do in your life in the days to come. You know, during this time of disruption, I've had some time to just reflect on things that are happening in my own heart, my own mind, what I'm thinking about, kind of what I'm going through. Maybe you've had time to evaluate and think through some things. And I've realized something about myself I want to share with you today. I've realized that I need friends more than I could ever imagine. I mean, I need friends. And I'm so grateful for the friends in my life. But this disruption has caused me to realize I need friends more than ever. I think about leading someone who is close to me, closer to Jesus, Well, that's about friendship. I mean, who wants to follow somebody in a direction where they're going, but you don't even want to be friends with that person? People only really want to go where somebody else is going if there's a friendship that exists. Friendship is so important, and I need friends. You think about our vision as a church family. We want to love God, love people, and help others do the same. That vision is accomplished because of friendship. I think when I say I need friends, that it's likely that you resonate with that need. I mean, we all could probably say we want better friends. Like we want some of those 2 a.m. kind of friends, those friends that will be there no matter what. We all need friends. I want to do something out of this passage this morning in Colossians that may be a bit unique. I want to use this passage as a springboard into an opportunity to course correct. If, if I've learned anything during this disruption of COVID, I've learned that I want certain things going forward to be different and, and I want certain things to be returning to the same. I, I want changes to happen in my life and I want to maintain those changes. And I think that this whole concept of friendship that I've become more keenly aware of the need for during this time. This, this idea of friendship needs some course correction in my own life. Maybe in your life too. And I hope that this passage will create that kind of springboard for us to make some changes in regard to friendship. Now this end passage, this final passage in Colossians, is a list of several friends that Paul has. And he's listing them out to conclude the letter. And I want to read through that list of friends and just make a few simple observations that I think can help us with friendship. And so if you turn with me to Colossians chapter 4, I want to start reading in verse 7. Colossians 4 verse 7. All right, let's read this together. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you might know how we are, and so that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you 
about everything here. You get two guys here, Tychicus and Onesimus. And they're friends of Paul and they're the letter carriers. They're the guys that are carrying the letter to the church at Colossians and telling them all that's happening with Paul. They're, they're not only carrying the letters, they're filling in the gaps. So when they share the letter with the church and the church reads that letter and they have questions about what's happening with Paul or what's happening with this or what does this mean, well, well Tychicus and Onesimus are there to fill in the gaps to say everything that the church needs to hear is a result of hearing this letter. Now, Tychicus is mentioned a couple other places in the New Testament. And from those mentions in the New Testament, we can conclude that he was likely led to Christ by Paul. He was a traveling companion of Paul. He'd gone many places with him and shared in the adventure of taking the gospel into the world. And that adventure they shared had brought about friendship. And Paul talks about Tychicus being faithful, being a servant of the Lord. Now, Onesimus, we, we learn about him because he's talked about in another letter in the Bible, the letter to Philemon. Now, Onesimus is joining Tychicus and carrying the letter to the church at Colossae, but he's not just participating carrying that letter. He also has a letter of his own. He's carrying the letter to Philemon. Now, there's a lot about Onesimus that we don't know. Uh, There's an amazing story that unfolds here related to Onesimus that you can get more of out of the letter to Philemon. But let me just give you a snapshot of what we know. Again, there's a lot we don't know, but here's what we do know. Onesimus was a slave, and he had ran away from slavery in Colossae. He He was from Colossae. He was a slave there. And he was under Philemon's ownership. So Philemon owned him. He was his master. Philemon at some point had met Paul, probably in Ephesus, heard about Christ, had become a follower of Christ, came back home. And at some point Onesimus runs away from being a slave. And he ends up meeting Paul where Paul's in prison somehow. We don't know how it happened. I mean, it's the divine orchestration of God to bring all these pieces into play. Onesimus meets Paul, hears about Christ, accepts Christ as his Lord and Savior, and then decides he wants to be the one who carries the letter from Paul back to Philemon, who's his master. Now think about this. Onesimus runs away as a slave looking for freedom. He somehow encounters Paul, and I can imagine Paul saying, you're Onesimus, the slave who ran away looking for freedom. Let me tell you what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you abide by my words, you're my disciple. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Onesimus heard the message of Christ. He accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he found the greatest freedom of all. He was forgiven of all of his sins. He found life. The very life he ran away to find, he found in Jesus Christ. And now his life was changed forever, and he was willing to go back to Philemon. He needed to go back to make some wrongs right. He had stolen some things from Philemon when he left. Even though we don't understand the culture they lived in where Onesimus would be a criminal as a runaway slave. We certainly can understand that Onesimus, as now a follower of Christ, needed to go back home and make wrongs right. And he's willing to go back trusting the Lord with his life. 
and go up to Philemon and hand him that letter from Paul, trusting the Lord with his life. Incredible story. Now you think about Tychicus and Onesimus and what we learn from those guys as friends of Paul. I mean, these are the kind of friends that are faithful. They're encouragers. They, they have a faith about them that when you around them that faith is just contagious it's infectious I mean I can imagine Paul seeing Onesimus right before Onesimus left the prison and started to head to Colossae and Paul just thinking I can't believe it I cannot believe how much Jesus Christ has changed his life I think about those two guys and I think about what it means to be the right kind of friend you know we all need the right kind of friends And the right kind of friend is faithful. The right kind of friend is the kind of friend that says things about you when you're not around you. You don't have to worry about what they're saying about you. Tychicus was going to tell everything he knew about Paul and what was going on. And Paul didn't need to worry about what Tychicus would say. A right kind of friend. The right kind of friend is the kind of friend whose faith in Christ just totally encourages you to trust the Lord. Like Onesimus in his faith, encouragement in Paul. I mean, the, these guys were the right kinds of friend. The right kind of friend is a faithful friend who out of his faithfulness encourages you. And you never have to worry about what that person's going to say when you're not around. Let's read about the next guys in the passage. We're going to read starting in verse 10. Read with me in verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark, Barnabas' cousin, whom you have received, concerning whom you've received instructions. If he comes to you, welcoming him. And so does Jesus, who is called Justice. These alone of the circumcision are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Now, Aristarchus, he was from Thessalonica. He came to know Jesus Christ, and he was willing to be in prison there with Paul. The implication is that he was in prison with Paul just to be a servant to Paul. He he wanted to be there to be with him, to encourage him and be a comfort to him. And then you see Mark. Mark is Barnabas' cousin. This is John Mark. He's mentioned several other places in Scripture. In fact, in Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey, Mark wants to accompany them in the journey. And Barnabas says, yeah, let's bring him along. Paul says, yeah, let's bring him along. They go. And not long after they start the first missionary journey, Mark's like, I'm done. I want to go back home. And he leaves and, and basically abandons Paul and Barnabas during the first missionary journey. When it comes time for the second missionary journey, Mark wants to go again. And Paul's like, you're not coming with me. And Barnabas is like, no, I want him to come. And Paul and Barnabas have a division over whether or not Mark's going to come. And Paul and Barnabas go on separate missions. Barnabas takes Mark and Paul goes his separate way. And then we don't hear anything else about Mark through any of the writings of Paul for around 12 years of time. Now, we don't know when it was that they reconciled, but at some point along the way, Paul and Mark made amends. They made things right. I'm sure that Mark was likely hurt when Paul says, I don't want to take you. And obviously, Paul was agitated at Mark 
for leaving him on the first journey. But somewhere along the way, these guys made amends. They forgave each other. And they became friends out of that disruption. It's important that that friendship was reconciled because the Gospel of Mark was written by this Mark. You think about Mark and Aristarchus and Justice. These are guys that were a comfort to Paul. Think about the right kind of friend. The right kind of friend is a comfort. The right kind of friend will go through the hard things with you and comfort you along the way. The right kind of friend will press down the difficult road of reconciliation and making amends and doing what it takes to to keep a friendship long term. And out of that difficult road, that right kind of friend can be a unique source of comfort. The right kind of friend stays on the hard road of friendship no matter what. And because of that, can provide comfort like nobody else. Pretty incredible. Let's look at the next passage. Colossians chapter 4 in verse 12. Read with me verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you and for those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis. Epaphras was already mentioned earlier in Colossians in chapter 1 as somebody who had gone to Paul and Timothy and basically told them all about what was happening in the church in Colossae. All the incredible things that God was doing. And now Paul says, this is the guy that's working hard for you. In fact, he's not only working hard for you. In Colossae, he's working for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. It's likely that Epaphras was the chief reason that the churches were planted in those three locations. And that guy is laboring for those churches. And the area where he labors above and beyond, where he goes the extra mile in his laboring in prayer. And he is wrestling in prayer that they might spiritually flourish. He's given his life for these churches to flourish. And then he gives his time and energy in heart-wrenching prayer. You think about Epaphras and you see a great picture of the right kind of friend. The right kind of friend works hard for your benefit. And however hard your friend might work for your benefit, the right kind of friend works even harder in praying for you. The right kind of friend, as hard as they might work for your benefit, works even harder in prayer. We all need the right kind of friends, don't we? Let's read the next passage. Colossians chapter 4 in verse 14. Luke the dearly loved physician, and Demas send you greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. We hear about Luke, Demas, and Nympha. Now Luke, all we hear about is he's a physician. That's all we know here in this passage. But there's a lot more to Luke because Luke is the one who wrote the Gospel of Luke. He wrote the Acts of the Apostle. He's responsible for about 25% of the New Testament. I mean, this guy writes all about Acts, and so much of Acts is about Paul's missionary journeys. 
But what you see as he writes about those missionary journeys is that Luke is likely in the background while Paul is in the foreground. And that kind of just defines who Luke is in the scripture. We just don't get a lot about him because he's staying in the background. Luke is that kind of servant that kind of stays in the background because he's willing to serve you without any recognition at all. Now, Demas only gets mention of his name here and we don't know a lot about him until a few years later. A few years later, Paul writes about Demas. And he says about Demas that Demas has abandoned him. He's left the Lord because he loves the world. When we look at Luke and Demas here together, what we see from the vantage point of all the scripture is this incredible contrast. Luke serves because of Christ in his life, and he needs no other recognition. Demas serves himself. And then you have Nympha. She's just mentioned as hosting a church in her home. Now, if you've never hosted a small church in your home, and you've never had a small group in your home, then you probably don't appreciate Nympha as much as you probably should. Because if you've had a small group in your home and you've had somebody every week in your home, week in and week out, small group or small church, you know that your home will never recover. Like your home is going to pay a price that you can't pay back for. And I just love Nympha that she's mentioned here as the host home for the church. And she's just the kind of woman who is giving of herself, serving. And not expecting anything in return. When, when I think about Luke and Nympha, what I think about is the right kind of friend. And the right kind of friend is that person who's willing to serve you for your benefit. Without the need for recognition or payback. The right kind of friend just serves because they love. You know, we all need the right kind of friends. We all need the right kind of friends. I want to read these final three verses in Colossians and just pull out of those three final challenges related to friendship because we all need the right kind of friends. Read with me in verse 16. Verse 16 says, After this letter has been read at your gathering, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Friendship is about exchanging with each other what God is doing in your life. It's so important that friends talk about what God is doing in their life and that friends want to know about what God is doing in their friends' lives. Something that's been going on in my life recently is the four-by-four relationships among some men. And I've been meeting with several guys and we've been talking about what God's doing in our lives. And I just want to tell you, as we talk about very honestly and transparently about what God is doing in our hearts, sometimes areas where God's changing us, sometimes where we know we've been not obeying the Lord like we should and we're ready to start doing that, and we start sharing about what God's doing in our hearts, you know what happens? It propels the friendship forward. 
Like when I see these guys and I'm around these guys in months to come, because we've shared what God is doing in our lives, our friendship is going to be different. Because here's the thing, we need friendships that share about what God is doing in our lives. We all need the right kind of friends and friendships that actually talk about what God's doing in our lives and want to hear about what God is doing in others' lives. Look at verse 17. Verse 17. It says, And tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you've received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. Now, Archippus was mentioned in the book of Philemon. There's a lot of web of relationships between Philemon and Colossians. Uh, Philemon and his wife, Abphia, um, have Archippus, their son, and he's mentioned in Philemon, but here he's addressed directly by Paul. And Paul tells him something that obviously Archippus needs to hear. He needs to hear this encouragement. So Paul, out of this friendship with Archippus, says what only a friend can say. You know, the right kind of friends that we need are the kind of friends that will say what only a friend can say because they've earned the right to say it. When I first moved here to Georgetown, one of the challenges that happened in my life was this sense of isolation. You know, I had moved from a place where I'd lived for 15 years and I developed a lot of incredible friendships. And when I moved here, I didn't have friends like I had there and hadn't had the time to kind of build those friendships. And so I was feeling the threat of isolation. And I know that isolation is so dangerous. And so I decided to share my experience of feeling isolated with a few of my pastor friends when we met together. And I just shared about it. And then a week or two later, after sharing that with those guys and those guys praying for me, um, one of those guys, they called me up on the phone and said, we, I want to meet you for lunch. And I drove to Rockdale and I met him for lunch. And he said some things over to that lunch period together that only a friend could say. And they were things I needed to hear. I needed the encouragement. I needed the exhortation. I needed the rebuke. And he said some things that led to me taking some initiatives and building friendships that I know has shaped the, these years here in my new home to build friendships that I probably would not have right now if he had not said those things. And the truth is we all need friends who will say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. Now look at this last verse here in chapter 4, verse 18. It says, I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Paul says, remember my chains. I love that phrase because it just points out the fact that Paul needed friends. He needed somebody just to show up out of the blue who walked all the way to where he was in prison and just showed up and said, I came just to make sure you know I've not forgotten you. The, the right kind of friend remembers you when you most need to be remembered. You see, we need the right kind of friends and we need the kinds of friendships that remember us when we most need to be remembered. 
Now, what I want to kind of settle on our hearts as we let this, this encouragement about friendship push us to a course correct is the final phrase in Colossians 4. Grace be with you. Grace be with you. When I think about being in friendships and wanting the right kind of friends, here's what I relearned through that period of time when I didn't have the same kind of friends here. I relearned that to have the right kind of friends, I need to be the right kind of friend. And there's no place to find the right kind of friends and be the right kind of friend like the church. I mean, a ready bride of Jesus Christ, the church, is supposed to be filled with the right kind of friends. And and there is no better place to find friends. And if you want to find friends, here's, here's what you need to do. You need to be the right kind of friend. And when I hear about what the right kind of friend is, then I know and I see that I need to grow. I need to change. I need to be different. I need to become more like Christ to the people around me. If I'm around people close to me, and those are the people I'm supposed to lead closer to Jesus, that's going to be done best out of friendship, and I need to become a better friend. And That's why I'm so thankful for grace. Because of Jesus Christ, coming to Him as my Lord and Savior, I've found in Jesus Christ the right kind of friend I needed most. He has forgiven me and He gives me the opportunity to start over again and again, to become the right kind of friend, the right kind of dad, the right kind of husband, the right kind of whatever. And I want to soak in the grace of God and just keep moving forward with our church family to be a church family full of the right kind of friends so that we can lead others who are close to us, closer to Jesus through friendship. The grace of Jesus Christ. We need it. And it's with us through friendship with Jesus. Will you allow your friendship with Jesus, to propel you to be the right kind of friend? To stop worrying more about your agendas, more about your success, more about your own concerns, and more about the people God placed close to you? Can we all just decide we're going to take those steps forward? We're going to course correct, and we're going to be the right kind of friend. Over the last 50 years of my life, I've had seasons where I have friends that are really close and seasons where those close friends are disrupted because of changes in life, like a move. And when those friends are there and they're really close, boy, I really soak that in and I want to make the most of it. But when those friends are not there, I need to just keep doing the same thing I should be doing all the way through Because Jesus is that right kind of friend to me. I should just keep striving to be the right kind of friend. We all need the right kind of friends. And the path to what we need is being the right kind of friend. So let's lead someone who is close to us, closer to Jesus. Being the right kind of friend.
There's no telling what kind of adventures that we'll share in taking the gospel to the world. That's what it means to be a ready bride. To be the right kind of friend so that those close to you want to know your friend, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord, I just come to you and I ask, Father, for every person this morning that's listening to first of all recognize how amazing it is that Jesus Christ gave his life for our sins to prove he loves us with a love like no other. And I pray, Father, as we have trusted in Jesus Christ as the right kind of friend, that we, because of your grace, could grow in being the right kind of friends to those close to us. Lord, we want to follow you. We want to be the ready bride that you intend us to be. And we want to do that by way of friendship. So, Lord, help us. Help us course correct. Be the right kind of friends for your glory. I'm so glad you've listened this morning and we want you to engage with us. And so we pray that you'll just send us an email if you need some help, that you will text to give, be a part of what what we're doing here. We want you to respond to the Lord. If you need help in following the Lord in whatever capacity you need help with, we're here for you. We want to be your friend.